Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Adam Carriker Show. Position right of the quarterback, out of the shotgun, first and 20. Jailbreak screen in the air. It is tipped. It is intercepted by Carriker at the Missouri 21-yard line. Live from the heart of Lincoln, America, eight-year NFL vet and All-American defensive lineman, Adam Carriker. Shotgun snap to Everett. He's got the left arm going, and now he's got a whole lot of Adam Carriker who rips him down inside the 25-yard line. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome, everybody, to Adam Carriker on The Ticket. A Monday following a pretty good spring game, I would say. I'm excited. I got a whole plethora of notes. And I've known for doing this on other shows, so I'll do it here. These are legit eight pages, not full notebook pages, but legit, if you can see me on YouTube, my pages of notes from the spring game. So they are, there's not a page wasted. I almost had to go to the cardboard in the back. So lots to talk about today. Lots to dive into I can see T. Farley. He's smiling, probably laughing at me, and that's okay. All right, I, I like to come over-prepared rather than under-ready. All right, so I want to bring on my first guest. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about quarterbacks, running backs, spring game. We're going to talk about Frank Solich. We're going to talk about XFL kickoff, which we ran on Saturday as well, which I thought was interesting and intriguing. And at first, I did not like, but then once I thought about it, it made a little bit more sense to me. But let's dive in to one of the best to ever wear the end, the best to ever don a black shirt. My first guest, Mr. Terrell Farley. How you doing, my friend? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Hey, so you've got your own show on right before me, you and V-Jack. Everybody check it out. If you've never checked that show out, they do a phenomenally phenomenal job. I wanted to have T. Farley on today, and Vershawn's going to join me next week to specifically talk about tight ends. He might know a thing or two about tight end play. Terrell Farley might know a thing or two about being a linebacker because I was intrigued by what you saw from the defense on Saturday, specifically the linebacker play. What stood out to you both as a strength and something that needs to be worked on by these linebackers in this new three, three, five scheme. Well, the, the first thing I like, I, I really loved MJ Sherman. Um, I think that was an excellent pickup. I think he's one of the true leaders out there just to come from another school in the beginning of spring um secondly i would like to see more blitz in linebackers we got to get a, a a smaller guy more like a my size guy that can really get in there they can really get out to the quarterback um think that they look great they, they ran to the ball great they tackled great uh i would like to see better linebacker drops i would like to see more 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 just movement disguises and things like that um like i said i'm very excited for the young guys who coming from um oklahoma this year maybe we can get him and, and teach him just a couple of rows and blitzes and stuff to get him in there but overall i was impressed by the way the linebackers play especially mj sherman now you talk about more blitzes so i'll be honest with you i tend to focus on the big boys up front just a smidge no particular reason for that uh, but from a linebacker's perspective, it looked to me like there was a lot of cross dogs, blitzes where they're crossing the center's face and a, a second linebacker is coming off the initial linebacker's butt, crossing the cross dog. You know what it is. 
Talk to me about what particular blitzes you'd like to see more of. Is it more edge blitzes, more where the defensive end is doing a long stick, which means he's going from the C gap all the way to the A gap, a longer stunt, long stick, hence the name. And the you got two backers coming off the B and the C gap outside of them. Like, what would you like to see more of when it comes to blitz packages for the backers? Well, more, I, I, I'm really, a, I like A, black, um, a gap blitzers, you know. Um, a, black, um, ooh, a gap blitzers are, you know, they need to do more of that. Uh, like you said, the cross the cross with the defensive end and the, and the linebackers. It's a lot of things they can do. You know, it's all about timing. We still know that the defense is, is quite young and quite not, you know, too many plays wasn't put in for them to actually blitz like they wanted to blitz because you're still learning the three three five now. Now 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 it's summertime. Now it's time you work on more than just your base defense. Now now when it comes to blitzing you want the linebackers to come from everywhere. That's my motto and um you know you gotta have a great defensive end. Now if I had a defensive end like Adam Carriger, which I did have in Grant Wistrom and, and Jared Thomas, those guys was able to take blockers with them and, and leave me to the outside by my Myself. And most of the time, I can get over a running back or or fullback that's blitzing. Now, the thing is, you gotta have great defensive line play, dude. Jared Grant, two of the best to ever do it. That is absolutely not a secret. Love shouting those guys out, though. Something else you mentioned with the linebacker drops. Now, this might surprise you, T. Farley. I didn't do a whole lot of dropping in my day, so I'm not quite an expert on such things. Uh, Okay, random funny side story. My son's doing spring football for the first time ever. It's 9v9. It's two-hand touch, half pads. We can discuss on another day whether that's worth its time, but he's having fun, and he got put at linebacker. Admittedly, he's probably not a linebacker, but he's having fun, so I'm trying to teach him read steps, Mm -hmm. something I've seen a million times in my life, never done. I'm supposed to explode off the ball as a D lineman. So he's out there trying to do read steps. And then he's trying to disguise his blitzes and he's trying to hide his blitzes and blitz. So talk to me about, you know, something as simple as a read step, something as simple. I don't want to say simple, but what you'd like to see improved in their drops. Because we talked about blitzes. We talked to you. I want to talk to you about their drops and what you'd like to see improved there. Well, I would like to see not not just going for the, you know, the little, the little, uh, the little fake, the fake handoff that fools them a lot and get them caught up, and they, and it, then it delays their drop. So what you need to do is just hesitate for a second, and you can, see, and 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 being a linebacker, you can see that the play goes fast, but you know not fast enough for you to get your drop, and you got to put a hand on that inside receiver that's running down the field. Now, if we get a hand on that receiver, that helps that cornerback out or that inside slot position that that covers that, and it does a lot for you to put a hand on. Now, the thing is, with your drops, drops are easy though. Drops are either you're gonna do a flat to curl, curl to flat, curl to hooks. You know, it's all the same, and you just gotta play the what's the strong side of the field. So for those who may or may not know, I'm I'm suddenly an expert in drops. I'm not, but the <laughs> flats are more to the sideline, hook to the curls a little bit more to the to the hashes. Yes, and and if you're the middle backer in the middle of the field, so that's yeah. kind of what those various things mean. Now I'm curious, okay, and one of the main reasons I wanted to bring you on, I I understand fairly well the differences between a three four linebacker and four three. A lot of times in the three four, the D linemen are eating up blockers and the outside backers are your edge rushers a lot of times, or they're looking like they're going to come and they're dropping, but the linebackers are designed to run around and make plays. In the 4-3, it's usually more attacking with the D linemen. So my question is, in the 3-3-5, what's the biggest difference in the 3-3-5 for a linebacker versus a 4-3 or a 3-4? I think the the, the difference between the 3-3-5 linebackers and the original 4-3 or 3-4 that – 
those guys got to be big, you know, like like a MJ Sherman type. But they gotta they gotta run with it. I watched a lot of TCU in the um, champ, national championship game, and and those guys they had was big guys, and but they was big guys that can run. I don't think the three three five is built for a small Terrell Farley type linebacker or Levant David type, unless you're putting Levant probably at middle, which is he is now. But back in college, I don't think he would have been great for a three three five. Now the thing is, those big guys got to be able to run, got to be able to to hold their own on the outside, because most of the time they're gonna keep containment during the you know if the if you get that DN slammed in real hard just to keep to keep the keep them honest and make them come through that gap. Now, one last question for you, and I promise it's not a loaded question. Because if somebody asked me, would I rather play in a 4-3 or 3-4 or 3-3-5 as an end, I'm going to say 4-3. That doesn't mean I'm bashing the current 3-3-5 defense. I'm just talking about what might be more fun, okay? So if you could choose 3-4, 4-3, 3-3-5, what do you think? This is my last question for you. What do you think would be more fun for Terrell Farley to play in? Well, obviously I'm going to pick the 4-3 because Charlie McBride made it fun for me. And plus the yeah. def- the defense alignment that I had that I played with, nobody touched me. So you know, of course, I'm going to be a four three guy because I had a great defense alignment. Yep. And nobody never touched me, so I'm going to stick with the four three. I would imagine if you're like a rover type or somebody like that, the three three five would be a lot of fun just because you get a blitz, you get a cover, you get a disguise, you get to do all sorts of different things. But hey, do me a favor, T Farley. Let the people know in case they don't already. When and where can they listen to you and Vershawn every day here on the ticket so they can check out your good stuff? All right. We got the fastest two hours on radio. We, we're on from 10 to 12 at 93.7 to ticket. Hey, man, I appreciate your time, and thank you for joining me, my friend. Thank you, big guy. Always. My pleasure. I, I want to give a shout-out real quick to GE Landscape and Supply in Lincoln. I got real close on YouTube. You can see all my whiskers. All right. GE Landscape and Supply in Lincoln sells to homeowners and contractors with a vast selection of landscaping and construction materials. They sell in bulk to save you money by anything from a five-gallon bucket to a semi-load. They, may, they deliver anywhere, and if you mention you heard this on 93.7, the ticket, they'll deliver in town for free through the month of April almost out of April. Take advantage of that before it's gone. Some restrictions apply. Go to GELandscapesupply.com for more info or call 402-467-1627. All right, I got a question here. The garbologist says, Adam, do you encourage your linemen or other players to grunt, yell, or scream when hitting or blocking for extra power or intimidation factor? Did you or anyone you played with in college or the NFL do anything like that? All right. The first part of your question, do I encourage it? Like any of my teammates that I played with or kids that I coach now, I feel like that's, you're asking both those things. No, I never encouraged it for a guy like me. So my first ever sack. Okay. Uh, well, as a sophomore, as, as a freshman, I was like, Oh my God, did I, I just sack Joel Clatt? I can't believe it. And I just ran off the field cause I didn't know what to do. But as, as a, my first sack as a sophomore, uh, I think it was Western Illinois. Uh, I think Maine was my junior year. I can't remember for sure. I celebrated so much and I was so exhausted afterwards. I was like, I'm never celebrating that much again. That's why the bones is a great celebration. It's great tradition. It's a great celebration and it's not exhausting throwing the bones. Uh, so I never tell players to do anything that might exert any more energy that they might want to. And when you're a big guy, 
conserving energy is important. When you're a smaller guy, maybe you don't have to worry about that quite as much. But I'm never going to tell a guy to grunt or not grunt or do any of that type of stuff, whether it's a teammate or somebody else. I just want them to be themselves. A lot of times, if you're going hard, it's just going to come out. To this day, when I'm lifting in a weight room and uh, <laughs> I, I start to make certain noises that I used to make back when I used to lift harder than I do now, people look at me funny. And I'm, I'm not rude, but I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm kind of unapologetic about it, too. I'm just, whatever happens, happens. I, I absolutely, second part of your question, did anyone I ever played with in college or the NFL do anything like that? Um, absolutely. There were certain guys who would grunt and who would make noise, usually O-linemen. They're all O-linemen that are popping into my head right now. Uh, the, you know, Rich Incognito was one. Nate Coltman was another guy. There were absolutely guys that would grunt and try to make noise and try to intimidate. I don't know that it was about getting more power out. I think they were just, that's just how they played. And that's how they tried to get in your head a little bit. Uh, random side note. I was in, I think I was like a freshman in high school and I was trying to bench press 225 and I just couldn't get it. And there was a senior, Scott Swenson, who had been lifting for years. And he goes, Adam, you're breathing wrong while you're doing the bench. I was like, breathing wrong. Like what? There's a certain way to breathe. He goes, yeah, as, as the bar is lowering, you got to be in control of it. Don't be out of control. You're breathing in. And then as you go to push away to do the actual bench press, then you breathe out real quick as I knock the camera here. And it was, it was amazing. I did it. I slowly breathed in as then as I went to push the bench, the bar away on the bench press, I breathed out real quick and, and it worked. And at the bar I was able to get, it's not like it flew off my chest all of a sudden, but I was actually able to get something I hadn't been able to get prior to that now like i said i've got eight million nine hundred forty two thousand four hundred twenty two notes here i think i rounded down on that so i'm going to try to get through them here this hour is going to fly by fast so don't go anywhere all right to start off the first thing that stood out to me was the xfl kickoff which is where the kickoff team's already down the field five yards from the kick return team and nobody can move until the kick returner touches the ball at first i was like i thought we were playing football what is this and then someone much smarter to me than me, than me was standing next to me. He said, if you think about it, it, it's going to allow them to work on their blocking and shedding blocks. Because this is how you would practice this in a normal practice. You wouldn't run 50 yards and then go hit somebody. You'd put them five yards apart. You'd blow a whistle. And one guy, the guy on the kick return team would try to block the guy on the kickoff team. And it's a great way to work on that fundamental technique. And obviously, you take the big hits out of it. I don't think rules try to avoid physicality. I mean, my goodness, I've never seen a spring game where the quarterbacks don't have green jerseys on. So once that I was enlightened by that knowledge, I actually like the XFL kickoff because it allows you to work on some of the fundamentals that are otherwise harder to work on on a normal uh, kickoff. Now, I want to chat more with VJack when he joins me next week. Okay, thank you for T. Farley for joining me today. I always love to learn more about the back end play, especially in like a 3-3-5 defense or something like that. So I enjoyed learning about the linebacker play today. But just real quick on the tight ends. All right. Uh, Eric Gilbert, Thomas Fedoni, a couple of really talented individuals. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Gilbert had a couple of drops. Fedoni, I, I believe he did have one reception, and I know that Rule's been praising him all spring. Uh, we need we got a lot of talent in that room. We just need somebody to to step up. So the tight end who actually, if I can find my notes here and read my own handwriting, I once got a C in handwriting in the fifth grade. That was a true story. The teacher actually was nervous. My dad was going to be mad for a good reason. <laughs> Anyways, uh, walk on. I've worked on pronouncing this, so I hope I pronounce it correctly. Nate Borkisher led the tight ends in receptions and receiving yards, and he actually had the longest catch of the entire day. 
Okay, 38 yards on the opening drive from Jeff Sims. I don't care if you're the number one tight end recruiting class in the 2020 class, the number one or two a year or two later, ranked tight end recruiter if you're a walk-on. We just need somebody to step up in that tight end room because there is a lot of talent in that room. Now, when you look at who started the game for the white team, for the black team, is the quarterbacks. You had Jeff Sims on the white team. You had Chubba Purdy on the red team. And then the next quarterbacks into the game were Richard Torres and Heinrich Harburg. And I thought Jeff Sims looked looked pretty good on the day. He looked good with his legs. He looked pretty good throwing the ball. He had by far the best completion percentage of any of the quarterbacks. It's clearly, at this point anyways, things can change. It's clearly him or Casey Thompson right now, um, based on what I saw Saturday. And I, I know the coaches love Heinrich Harburg. Big frame, big arm, much faster than people realize. Okay, and Richard Torres, he's the guy that I think has kind of been forgotten about since he got on campus. So don't forget about him. Chubba Purdy's still a talented guy. If he can start to slow things down mentally, he's a guy that could be in this conversation as one of the top backups. And I'm not saying one of these guys can't unseat Casey Thompson or Jeff Sims. But if you watched our team last year, it's pretty obvious Casey Thompson was the best quarterback. If you watched the spring game on Saturday and you followed spring ball at all throughout the past couple of months, it's pretty obvious Jeff Sims is the best healthy quarterback we have right now. So that starting job is most likely going to come down to Jeff and or Anthony. Uh, I'm sorry, Casey Thompson. But who's going to be the next guy in line? And who's going to transfer out? There's going to be guys who transfer. There's going to be guys who leave. We have six scholarship quarterbacks right now. That'd be awesome if we had them all in the fall. We are a smidge over the 85 scholarship limit. So we got to make room somehow. And it would not surprise me if somebody tries to go uh, somewhere else here in the next couple of weeks and see if they can't earn a spot on another team or maybe even a starting job somewhere else. Okay. We've had other guys do that. Tristan Jebbia went and did it at Oregon State for a while. Noah Vedral did it at Rutgers. You never know what can happen. Uh, and if somebody does that, I got number love for him. Wish him nothing but the best. Like we got some talented quarterbacks in that talented room. Matt Rule earlier this spring flat out said, most talented quarterback room he's ever been a part of which is a heck of a thing to say because he's coached top 10 teams, especially down there in Baylor. Now, the white team was pretty much comprised of the first offense, and the red team, for the most part, was comprised of the first defense. I did feel like the – the and we don't – it's hard to know who's going to start day one in certain spots. Like I just talked about the quarterback spot, we don't know. The running back room is loaded. I know Rule loves Gabe Urban. But, I mean, you got a guy like Ramir Johnson who carried the load for us a couple years ago when needed towards the end of the year. All right, you got Anthony Grant, who was the bell cow, so to speak, for a good portion of last year. You got A.J. Allen, who's a young, talented guy back off of injury. You've got at least four running backs who could probably start for most teams in the Big Ten Conference or most teams across the country. So we'll see how this all shakes out when it comes to the running back room, when it comes to the quarterback room. Uh, and who ends up being here a month from now, a couple months from now, based on the transfer portal, who comes, who goes, things of that nature. Now, the next thing I wanted to chat about was the offensive line. The starting offensive line at the beginning of the game, as I saw it, okay, and you probably are aware, they, they wore different colored jerseys. I believe they were grayish, so to speak, so that if they needed, because they're a little bit short, a little bit banged up on that old line, they could play for both teams. When Teddy Prohaska, or I'm sorry, uh, Turner Corcoran went down, Hopefully he is okay. When he went down kind of early into the game or midway through the game, I should say, they started to happen to have offensive linemen play on the white and the red team. 
Um, but the offensive, well, before I get into the offensive line, I was kind of starting to get into this and I got sidetracked a bit. I felt like the starting offense had the edge over the, the starting defense. I also did notice, or it seemed to me, and we don't know exactly who's going to start, and that's where I was going a minute ago before I had a random sidebar. I felt like the defensive potential starters were a little bit more dispersed across the two teams, whereas most of the guys who have at least the the inner lane to starting on offense seemed to all be put together on the white team, so maybe that gave the offense an advantage. But the, the first offense definitely moved the ball effectively against the first defense. And T. Farley talked about, you know, when you're learning a scheme like the 3-3-5, it's not a scheme where you're just going to try to line up and beat people based on simple basics and fundamentals. You're trying to bring guys from everywhere and hide and disguise, and you're trying to create unblocked guys by mixing up your blitzes and stunning linemen and doing all these things, well, that's going to take longer to put in, okay? So it's going to take a little bit longer than a typical 4-3-3-4 defense. Now, excuses aside, the one offense definitely had the advantage over the one defense on Saturday. It, it was not really close. They moved the ball up and down the field. They scored on their first three possessions. I had a couple of field goals, and they scored a touchdown, converted the two-point conversion, and it was 21 to nothing. In fact, if I remember correctly, the red team's uh, one touchdown was a fumble recovery taken back for a touchdown. And if you watched it, it really wasn't a fumble. So that was kind of a nice little gift they gave to the red team to avoid that little shutout there. But I felt like the one offense and Jeff Sims, I thought they looked pretty good. There's some ball security issues throughout the day on Saturday that pertain more to the red team than it did the white team, so to speak. I thought Jeff Sims looked good. When you go come back to the offensive line, circle back to the O-line and who started and kind of how they looked, which is tough to gauge in a situation like this because I felt like there was a lot of cross dogs as we discussed up the middle from, uh, as we discussed earlier from blitzes up the middle, but there wasn't a whole lot of blitzes that were meant to confuse you, so to speak, just simply because they, it takes time to put such things in. They had, they had blitzes and they definitely blitzed more than most defenses are going to in a spring game. Uh, but I don't think they've got the full arsenal of blitzes that you're going to run a 3-3-5 defense in just yet. So the starting offensive line, as I saw, was Ben Scott, okay, the center transfer from Arizona State. He had a couple of pancakes that I saw. I honestly thought he played pretty well. He looked pretty good at right tackle. You had Ben Hart, okay, at right guard. You had Nadine Newilly. Okay, I was happy to see him back, okay, uh, I love the way he took ownership with what happened a year ago, made no excuses. He seems happy to be back, excited, elated. And he frankly would have been one of our better offensive linemen a year ago. Okay, I love that Rule's kind of sticking up for Riola and sticking up for how the offensive line played last year. I mean, what, what do you expect him to do? And any coach who's going to back his players and with any class at all isn't going to come in and be like, yeah, the offensive line was bad last year. He's not going to say that, nor should he. Uh, the offensive line was not good. I mean, we all know that. I know what he's saying. I know what he's doing. And I love that he's taking that approach. And if I was him, that's the exact same thing I'd be doing as the coach because that's how a coach should approach it. Have your players back. Have your coaches back. Okay, don't go out there and, and be full of it, which rule is not. But he's going to have their back. I haven't forgotten what I saw last year. The offensive line play was not good a year ago. But when you think about losing Teddy Prohaska early and Nadine Newilly before the season even starts, that's easily two of our five best offensive linemen. Maybe, maybe potentially our two best linemen from a year ago. I, I would have predicted them to be two of our three best, if not our two best a year ago. So that created challenges. But I remember how that O-line looked, and it was not good. 
And I'm curious to see how I was curious to see how they look Saturday and how they're going to play this year. So Ben Scott at center, Ben Hart at right tackle. And I'm curious about Ben Hart. This is a big, highly touted individual. His third year starting. He's a young guy. He's had his ups and downs. But, you know, it's about that time where most guys would start as start having the possibility of starting right now because he started as a young guy. So can he kind of start to develop a little bit as a player? How is he going to handle some of the things that he's had to deal with the past um, as far as scrutiny? He seems to me to have handled that well, as well as anybody's going to. And just random things that I've heard. I've never talked to him directly about it, but just things that I've heard about kind of his approach to it. All right. And how he views things. And so I'm curious to see how he bounces back. You look at uh, left guard. We had Ethan Piper and left tackle at the start of the game was Turner Corcoran. Now, I hope Turner's okay. He's a little bit banged up. Hopefully we get an injury update here soon. Uh, if we haven't already, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that after we get off the show. Then they started moving guys around. But I'm curious to see when Teddy's back, okay, how the offensive line looks. Because I think he has uh, absolutely should be expected to start. Got to earn a starting starting job in there as well. The offensive line, it was, it was a little bit of up and down. I was hoping we'd run the ball a little bit more consistently, a little bit more effectively. There were spurts here and there. Jeff Sims can obviously make plays with his legs on a broken play. Um, I didn't feel like any of the running backs really stood out. Obviously, there was four guys kind of splitting the carries. But part of that comes to, are there holes for you to run in? Okay, are, are there holes there? So, I'm still looking to see more progress on the offensive line, especially, especially if we want to be a physical, run the ball, put the fullback in the game type of team, and let's give him the ball. I love that first play of the game, giving the ball to the fullback and then giving it to Coach Solich. I loved that. They ran uh, ISO. ISO week was one of their favorite plays, and that's where you line up in the eye and you run away from the tight end, and the, and the fullback becomes your extra extra blocker to the weak side. And so I love that they got the fullback in the game. I'm curious to see how much they use them in the fall. I know it's going to be a part of their arsenal. But do not go anywhere. I've barely even touched my notes. We will be back here shortly. So don't go anywhere, folks. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.